welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. This is your host, Loga the Barbarian. I'd like to introduce my co-host for the day, Scott Warren. How's it going, Rogar? It's going good. It's going good. I've uh, I, I've ha- I've asked you on here today because I wanted to talk about something. Now, could you introduce yourself real quick to our listeners so they have an idea of where to find you online and everything like that? I am Scott Warren, Durham, North Carolina, a aging nerd, and most of my nerd stuff lives on uh, my Instagram, which is I hate Scott like eyeball e y e h a t e e yes <laughs> um so i don't have anybody in my game group right now or at least the game group that's been recording with us we, we i run a i run a, a saturday night every other weekend i run a riffs campaign and a, and a lot of those folks had never played a palladium game before but I don't have anybody in my gaming group that really plays Palladium games. We, aside from my Rifts campaign, which is kind of a different group than the normal group, we don't have a lot of Rifts players or Palladium players. But I know you were running a, a certain campaign that I was interested in, and something I felt talking about Palladium would be a good start for an older Palladium game that isn't around anymore. <laughs> well, sort of. And that game is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness. Indeed, the classic by the late Eric Wujic, the late great, the late great Eric Wujic, and Eric Wujic also did Amber Diceless role playing and a bunch of other role playing games that passed away in two thousand eight. Now, when did you first get exposed to and involved with and, and and into playing Palladium games or Ninja Turtles specifically, either or? I think Robotech came first, and then and then one of my buddies had a. Um, plastic bound copy of Teenage Ninja Turtles. You know, so that's probably 84, 85 ish. You know, you know, like a um whole a, a binder copy. And then yeah. we found them. A, 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 a Xerox yourself copy. Yeah, that that's the deal. Wish I still had that thing. We had a lot of those back in the 80s and early 90s, especially. Yeah, it's a sh- it's a short book too. It's 112 pages. Yeah, I I discovered role playing was actually the Fossa Doctor Who role playing game. But when we really got into playing a lot more and stuff like that, it was the later 80s. And I think Robotech led us into it because my buddy was really into Robotech as well. And the Ninja Turtles and Heroes Unlimited were some of the big games. Now, Ninja Turtles, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness to me is a really cool game just from the history of it and what it brought into the palladium system a lot of what it introduces shows up in its later games and currently they don't have the license to continue doing teenage mutant ninja turtles over at palladium so there's another game that's out that has the rule set in it though and that is after the bomb after the bomb was originally a setting book for the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness. And that's what I've ran a lot of. Yeah, from what I what I remember, it was um, after the turtles blew up, they thought it was too um, kitty. So they, they kind of stretched the game out to after the bomb, which is kind of funny if you think about it. But yeah, if you, and also weird is that I think the comic was only in like two or three of its run. Like it wasn't very, it wasn't around very long before they made that game. 
Yeah, it was early on. The, the game came out before, the, I believe, the cartoon came out and it started hitting its popularity. It was kind of almost like a promotional for the comic. They were looking for ways to get it out there. Yeah, I think there was maybe three in that one shot of Leonardo, Raphael, maybe. Because Casey Jones is in there. Yeah, and they have some of the old Eastman and Laird comics, like comic strips inside of the game itself and some of the books. Yeah, they do. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures has some of the comics in it. And I know that the core book, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness does. Even the original After the Bomb has a Turtles comic, but I don't believe it's Eastman and Laird at that point. Oh, I'm not, I didn't even think to check who did this stuff in there. I, I, I just assumed most of it was Eastman and Laird. You know what? That's in Roadhogs. Because that's a cool one. Yeah, and that was um definitely not Eastman and Laird. Now, Roadhogs is an expansion of After the Bomb, where you kind of go to the Southwest. I believe it was the second book. And and it explores kind of more of a, it gets into vehicles, uh, running vehicles through the desert and stuff like that. Very Mad Max oriented type of post-apocalypse. Now, to, to I want to throw the setting for After the Bomb out. <laughs> the, the comic strip in, in uh, Roadhogs done by Wujik, Sambedia, and uh, Brent Carper. Oh, cool. That's pretty cool. Now, the setting after the bomb itself is one that I'm thrilled with. The whole idea is that you have the, 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 the apocalypse has occurred and the world is overrun with mutant animals. And in the game, you roll up some sort of mutant animal after the bomb. And I think actually the bombs don't actually explode in the, in the, in the traditional setting until after a virus kills out humanity. Is that, I believe, is how they kind of set that up. I believe so. And yeah, um, after the bomb is, you know, it's just like turtles and there's no OCCs. It, it's, it's very random. You roll on a table. Your, your origin is your skill set. And an OCC, for those of you who have never played Palladium, because I know a lot of people haven't, is occupational character class. A lot of the Palladium games have an OCC or occupational character class, kind of like how they have class and race. But in Turtles, you're kind of just working with the race or the be, building a mutant animal and choosing your skills. So it's a bit different in that respect. Now, I'm not, I don't have the modern after the bomb book. Does that have the OCCs in it that is in addition to the mutant? No, but it's, it's got something vaguely, it's got those riffs, uh, ultimate edition, when you call them, um, it has the, the skill blocks. You, you know what I'm talking about? As yes. opposed to the programs. Yes. So it's we, a little more crunchy. That's what we were actually playing was a, after the bomb was a 85 game supplemented by the powers in the after the bomb to make it, you know, because those animal powers in the base book are very limited. It's all, yeah. I guess, Heroes Unlimited sort of feel to it. Yeah, now Heroes Unlimited gets a lot more powerful. <laughs> and it gets more powerful as the game goes on. I was a huge Heroes Unlimited fan. I think most of the Palladium books that we used in the 90s especially was to run Heroes Unlimited games. Like we mostly focused on that. We did a lot of riffs as well, but the number one game was Heroes Unlimited. We, we played a bunch of Heroes Unlimited in uh, Ninjas and Super Spies. Yeah, I use ninjas. Well, I use ninjas and super spies to roll up more Batman type characters with all the different martial arts and skill packages and stuff. We use that a lot there. I, I think that that I think that ninjas and super spies allowed us to bring our 
Shatterun motifs into <laughs> the palladium system, you know. It's certainly it's got it, I can see how it could be used that way. Now, the system itself for palladium, I think a lot of our pe- the people that listen may not be familiar with it, some might be. It runs so it, it was a a homebrew D system essentially from the beginning, and it kind of evolved into what it is. The basic attacks are a little bit different in combat than D&D, where you're not trying to roll over an armor class necessarily. There's a, the, the, the opposed person. Opposed roll, man. Yeah, you get a chance to dodge and parry as opposed to just there's the static armor class. So you're rolling off against each other when you're com- in combat. I was laughing the other day. I was listening to one of your podcasts. I believe you were doing, um, I believe it was the intro to OSR one. And y'all were talking about, these combats can last for sessions. And I was just laughing. <laughs> Thinking about, you know, a palladium fight might last a month in online time, you know? Yeah, a palladium fight can <laughs> but that, you gotta reel it in. <laughs> I am. But it's it's um you know, action movie, bullet time kind of style, you know, because you're breaking it down every so tiny. Cause yeah. you know, a lot of these characters are getting 10, 11 attacks per round, which is what is it? Six seconds or something? Well, a round is 15 seconds, I believe, in the Palladium seconds. system. Yeah. So you get like 10, but it's also a lot longer of a period. And some of those rounds are also used, like you said, it's an opposed role. Some of them are used to defend yourself. So in order to so dodge or parry. If- it plays out more like 16 or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, really, because you get reaction rolls, auto parry. Well, we we have done a we've done in our game for our rifts game we've done a strange way of dividing up the rounds when a me- since a melee is fifteen seconds we do it in five second chunks, and we divide up each uh, person's number of attacks that we go around kind of like that round takes three rounds around the table and everybody can do as many so if you have five attacks per melee. What we do is you have two attacks, two attacks, and then one attack, and you can hold an attack over if that makes sense. What I'm saying there, it does. That's made it move on kind of quick, and it's it's easier because sometimes you run to somebody's got three, and this other person's got seven. How do you divide that up equitably to keep it moving so everybody doesn't get bored? And that's helped a little bit. What I would do is go one phase at a time is how we do it. So, you know what I'm saying? So everybody gets to go. You keep the one initiative. Yes. Which has the the downside of you if you roll a two on initiative, you're stuck with it for like the next three hours of gameplay, you know? Yeah. Now, the attack, like I said, the attacks in Palladium are different because it is opposed rolls, but it's essentially rolling a 20-sided die trying to get the highest roll with your attack bonuses or your defense bonuses. So it's not too awful different than what people are used to with D20-type combat. I don't know if there's anything like the opposed role system in, in, I haven't seen it anywhere else. I think that's the only rule anybody essentially keeps from the books, <laughs> you know, is the opposed. I, I, I like, it, it plays out more like a war game sometimes with the insular combat. Yeah. And it also has a lot more nuances for your stats on different maneuvers and combat encounters you can use when i'm running my wrist we focus on three main ones strike dodge and parry some of the entanglement rules and stuff like that we don't use as much or as often just to keep things moving 
when someone wants to bust them out, we'll do it. But a lot of the times we try to just go smooth straight through. Let's keep this, this combat round moving, but I'm a big fan of making combat move fast. <laughs> yeah. I think that we were playing, a, we were playing a lot, a lot of narrative driven games with, with the group I was rolling with in it. And I started buying the, the games again when uh, the pandemic hit it, I was really just after the line art and nostalgia or whatever. And then I started reading. I was like, you know, this works pretty well on Roll20, I think. And yeah. then we took out with one. Because it, the com the combat is slow, but you do get to act fa fairly often, you know. Because like you said, it, it, the, the defensive choices give you, you know, yeah. something to do when it's not your turn. Yeah, you're defending yourself. When you go to defend yourself, it's not just a matter of I sit there and wait for the DM to roll. The DM hit me. Okay, I take my damage. You actually get to actively try to make that roll to save against that attack a lot of times, which is it, it keeps it a, you a little more engaged in combat than just getting hit on the armor class. That was one thing I'd never liked about Dungeons and Dragons when I first played it because I was playing Palladium games for quite a few years before i ever actually played DD for my first time and the one thing i didn't care for was the way that combat was because i was used to having an active role and say and and not getting hit <laughs> it's like i felt like a sitting duck once the dungeon master was rolling those dice and just hitting me you know i guess call of cthulhu is kind of like that isn't it with an opposed Maybe role, that... yeah, I think it does have an opposed role. It's been a minute since I've done combat, but I'm pretty sure that that you do the the check against each other when you're when you're doing it as well. There's a few systems out there. That's where he got it from, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, the 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 stat or the skill system that Palladium uses is very much like Call of Cthulhu. Um, mm -hmm. it just... is essentially a, a melding of the Cthulhu skill skill system and that d20 combat yeah and that's that, that's most of the mechanics there if you can do this the cthulhu skill system is percentage based so if you have a 50 percent, let's say in a certain skill or 55 percent, you have the roll under that 55 percent is a success now we've house ruled our skill advancement to not go up every level but to use the call of cthulhu leveling up system where you have to roll above it after you've used it yeah and if you roll absolutely. above it you add a d6 to it is the way we do it but and and that's just because i feel that when you go up levels you're supposed to advance every single skill every level and it kind of takes a long time for players to sit there and do the math and erase and redo it and that's a quicker way to just kind of give them a little level up every session in the skills it, that they use in this deal we were doing um five percent for per level yeah and basic basic system is not so i've heard a lot of people say it's hard to, to handle or hard to get your head around the system i may be biased in that it was an early system i used and i've used it for over three decades <laughs> but it's not the hardest to get your head around the basics and to run it and as long as you're not getting too nuanced with the rule set to start with it's not the hardest thing to run. The hardest part, I think, of any of the Palladium games, I always say, is character creation because it does take a little longer. That's the best part. <laughs> hey, Go on. You know, you know, you know. Unlike other games, though, you are kind of stuck with that character for the. You're, you're not gonna so much evolve him. You know, you can get gear and 
whatever you know whatever your campaign's doing money if that's a thing for you um but yeah you're kind of stuck with that character i did let them pick a skill every three levels or something levels are slower too yeah i don't run the levels too fast here's the thing though when you're rolling up one of these first level characters in one of these palladium games unlike you know when you roll up a a wizard for D and your character could splat anytime soon. They got to go up levels to have power. These Palladium characters tend to start off with a lot more power. They tend to be a lot less weak. They have a lot more abilities they can do. And you kind of jump into the game closer to what would feel like a level five character or something like D&D. Oh, I don't have that game. shield. <laughs> <laughs> this is one I bought from his, uh, his, his webpage that has all three of them in there. It's still, still, shrink wrap though what i used to have and i don't know if i can find them anymore did you see the old you remember the old newsprint um palladium had like a little newsprint mag yeah. that they put out i had some of those i remember that some of the covers were like ninja turtles and specific on the front and i hadn't seen really, those in a long time i, I have i you know I've, I've moved a couple places in the last few years it's been a house ago that i've seen those and i know they were in one of those folders that i put over there with my filing stuff i'm gonna have to dig through it and find where they were <laughs> a guy in a old school rpgs or something uh, put a few of them up the other day i ordered that new after the bomb from palladium and it came with um, a bunch of black and white flyers for everything and a, a checklist order form where you like write your credit card number on it like and yeah. send it off to i was like that's so old school. well i did that back in the day i remember filling out order forms to order stuff from palladium it's been over 20 years it was kind of before i ever did any kind of commerce online in the they're, 90s they're, they're still doing that it's that's crazy. great I've been, <laughs> i haven't done that in a few decades but we did do that we did get a hold of some books and stuff i actually got a bunch of the first year they did the christmas grab bags i did that and I got a bunch of riffs. I had a bunch of riffs, minis, and shirts, and all kinds of crazy stuff with it. I did it probably the first two or three years. Uh, and they've been doing like, if you don't know, they Palladium does a Christmas grab bag where you just like something like 50 or 60 bucks, and you just get a box of game stuff, books, and other assorted fun things. It's worth checking out if you're into the Palladium role play. That might be a good way to kind of delve into it if you're interested. This actually going on right now. Yeah, and you, and you sort of tailor what you want to, um, you sort of tell them what you want, right? Yeah, you tell them what you've got and what you're looking for. They ask you for a list of things that they're, they're, they're wanting. When I first did it, I can't recall how that, I think we wrote it down on a piece of paper that we mailed in. I'm kind of hazy and vague because I can't remember where we got the paper, how we found out about it originally because there was no internet. It may have been the back of one of the rifters. I think the rifters started around that time in the late 90s. So I didn't realize how big they were back in the day. And uh, if you read uh, Shannon Applecline's uh, Designers and Dragons, have you, have you looked at any of those? I have read some of those. I have not completed all four volumes. <laughs> They're up on my bed. And I pull them out to read a few more, like another chapter here and there before bedtime. I guess the Palladium ones in the in the 80s one, I believe, because it they're arranged from the, the year they started and they tell the whole story of every company. And I didn't realize they had a run where they were two and three for a long time. They like they were big for us, especially in the '90s when Rifts came out. We were really into Millennium Games. He brought up another point, which kind of makes sense now if you think about it. 
never really thought about it before because we played other games, but the Palladium market was not unlike White Wolf in that they were like completely separate. You know yeah. what I mean? They were just Palladium guys and they didn't do anything else. And, and That's for, I wouldn't say we were just Palladium gamers because we tried every game, but Palladium was our main bag. Like we tried Vampire in the early, I'd say about 93, no later than 94 is the first time I tried a game of Vampire. We played a little bit. But any game, our game group was one that gravitated towards every role-playing game we thought was cool. And of course, being in, in high, when I was in high school, especially, it was easy to just play whatever role-playing game because you had a lot more free time after school and in the weekends. I guess if you were trying to keep up with them, you, you wouldn't have the money to buy anything else. Yeah. Back yeah. then, they I always equated the, the Palladium stereotype to like the the guy buying swords at the mall back in the day, you know, (laughs) 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 it's definitely got that flavor to it. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting system. Here's what I think that palladium does a lot of good is they do a lot of like with after the bomb is kind of one of the, one of the initial ones, but they do a lot of post apocalypse, post tragic event, dystopian future type things. It's kind of, there's so many, there's so many of their games, like their flagship game through the 90s became Rift, which is a whole, the world is leveled through an apocalypse. The magic rifts come ripping through ley lines and creatures from every type of genre you can imagine emerges and you have it all there thrown on earth with a giant fascist state fighting demons and fantasy and sci-fi stuff. It's a big hodgepodge. Mecha- <laughs> Mechanoids is post-apocalyptic and mechanoids was their first game that was put out as well and then there's nightbane and nightbane has i wouldn't say it's, it's dystopian but the world still kind of is intact in some kind of dark they have an event there it was like the dark day or something like that and then the world kind of becomes hellraiser or something <laughs> yeah that's their clove barker game i guess and then there's Splicers. Have you seen check that one out? Yes, Splicers is it reminds me a little of the Matrix where you've got robots that have taken over the world and humans can't touch metal, even like metal can't touch you. metal. Yeah, it gets it, and uh, so all the equipment they use is bio, like grown. So they have lots of weird dystopian post apocalyptic type dystopian settings, and that's that's where they stand. Like there's even that Dead Rain, which is a zombie game where you can play post zombie apocalypse <laughs> that's a that's a really good book for the system that's one place i would recommend people start it is that book because that's um you know how palladium goes from revised to second edition and the lines are kind of blurry there yes they're kind of well dead rain i believe was made in the 2005 ish it's, and it's he, one of the much newer ones that will at least, at least in my book i call it new <laughs> Yeah, after, but it was after like this other stuff we call new, which is, really came out in like 99. Um, but he uses the revised, the first edition rules and, and sort of explains them. And there's new like real world equipment and, you know, stats for like more modern things in there. It's a good book. I don't, I don't particularly care for the zombies, but yeah. We're doing a zombie game now. It's a totally different system. I, I usually, I don't think I would have looked at running a zombie game before this, but the, the DM's doing some interesting stuff. 
another one that i love is what's it called system shock was that the game was kind of the y2k game systems (laughs) failure systems Systems. failure yes i love that i I read that recently it's so good i want to run it so that's like it's got that loom panics kind of feel to it you know yeah the old wingnut Oh, yeah, it came out right you before know. Y2K, too, in like 99. So everybody's going into the year 2000 thinking the computers are going to shut down. This came out. It was almost a perfect timing for the game. That's another one like Turtles where they uh, – Bill Coffin, I believe, made that one. And that and Turtles were made in like six months or something. <laughs> like, you know, from start to finish. It's like, oh, there's the let's, let's capitalize on this year 2000 panic that everybody's covered. But yeah, they Y2K. Do that. <laughs> yeah, so so it actually has um the Y2K bugs like actually jump out of your computers and your phones and stuff. And yeah, it, 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 the bugs are actual giant monster bugs, kind of like <laughs> Starship <laughs> yeah. Troopers or something. <laughs> it's cool though. It's got this um, it, it's got this like diary in the beginning. It, it has a forum post where the bugs get into the forum, you know, right at midnight. <laughs> and, and like, it's a good game. Yeah. I appreciate that as, as more of like a, the characters aren't so pumped up is, is, is like my characters ended up being with their 11 attacks. And because you listen to real plays and the characters have four, five, six attacks per round. And I'm like, they didn't take boxing, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> everybody's a boxer as everybody one of the inside things is um with the boxing is that um in the game you take skills and skills can be percentage based and some of them add to the character's abilities and boxing is known for giving you extra attacks and kind of being the overpowered one to take (laughs) so it becomes a running gag when you're playing palladium everybody boxes everybody's a boxer suddenly (laughs) it amps your character up quick even the second edition fantasy RPG still has boxing in it. <laughs> all these boxing rings around. Ye old boxing ring. <laughs> Just the way it goes. I'm going to jump back to after the bomb real quick for a moment. And one of the things that I think is cool about that. So I ran it a couple years ago and we all rolled up the, so you can, you have bio E points when you're making your characters and you can create Various sorts of mutant animals. You have the choice of everybody making their own animal or making animals as a group, which you would get bonuses for. And our group went ahead and made just a, a group of mutant cats that work together. And we had a lot of fun with it. We actually just set ours in our neighborhood at the local um, Plaza Mall, outdoor mall was where a lot of it happened out of JC Penney's. They kind of took over JC Penney's as their forts. <laughs> it's kind of the way we ran that. And it was a fun little game. The after the bomb really though in my mind as it as it goes forward and becomes its own game that splints off of turtles it also seems to influence the whole rifts thing that came about and the whole doing the whole apocalypse with mutants and everything else Rifts tends to be the merging of all the different games they had to that point it is it does definitely serve as a rifts light yeah and it's there's not i don't think there's as much like world building and knowledge you have to have about the setting in order to be in there it's easier to just kind of take and throw it in your neighborhood or with whatever idea yeah. you have. Your characters know so little generally when you start about the um, outside world. You know, they just know their little area. You you talking about playing your in your neighborhood. Uh, we used to play out of Beyond the Supernatural victim games. Yes. And we would just play ourselves and like start in the the around the gaming table and go from there. 
<laughs> that's a good that would be a fun little game to run there i've never ran beyond the supernatural we've only see a lot of these books and games we've only used four other games as like supplements for and that's one of the cool things about it is you can play that setting in that game or you can use it to just add more stuff to the other game because playing uses this kind of universal system through them all if you run beyond the supernatural straight up the characters are really squishy compared to the compared to the bad guy the, the monsters in the book they, they don't tend to last long they don't and some of the some of the other palladium games your characters are the opposite of squishy <laughs> yeah for sure beyond the super characters but they still take as long to roll up you know <laughs> yeah it takes a bit and that's that's always been my main complaint with palladium one thing one of the one of the one of the like i've got like a list of three things i want to see with palladium in the future one of them is a way to roll up characters much faster than <laughs> currently is being done. That would be helpful. Uh, and, and mostly just because when I get a group of people at the table, it's like when we went to roll up our Rift's characters, we spent an entire session and more trying to get everybody's character done. Do you have this uh, Mutants of the Yucatan adventure book? I don't have that anymore. I don't think. I've been looking around for that. There's a few that I had. I think stuff got sold off years ago. I thought the mutants of the Yucatan was back for sale again on the Palladium site. So you can, um, he has his own private e eBay site. And sometimes you can see them on there. The old packs, I guess, old stock. It has a quick roll mutant villains table. Which oh, is really it's cool. nice. That's helpful with, with DMing. <laughs> well, I guess what? What's that? It, we're at 30 minutes. We've hit our time. Oh, wow. That was nothing. Yeah, it oh, goes cool. by quick when I start recording these. <laughs> well, all right. I want to thank you all for listening. You can follow us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. And we're going to definitely, I've got plans to come back to Palladium and Ninja Turtles here in the future because there's a lot to cover there. You can find us online, wobbliesandwizards.com, and keep those dice rolling. <laughs>